1: Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald.
2: And I'm Emily Liedem.
1: Um, And our morning is off to a great start. We just had a great conversation with Father Jeff from Norfolk. Uh, Later on, if if you're just joining us or if you joined us late in the show, you can always go to realpresenceradio.com to uh, hear all of our conversations that we're having today, all of the past episodes for Real Presence Live, even when it's not me and Emily
2: love that feature I think it's a Because there's so many Great interviews Yeah um, and, and yeah Of course Listening to radio Sometimes you're in And out of your vehicle yep. Or uh, listening at home If you step <coughs> out of the room Whatever it might be And so I, yeah I love that feature Because you can go back And, and um, hear all the different segments That you might right. have missed Yep, yep. They yep. do a great job Of finding interviews People from all over The Midwest
1: Amen And beyond Amen. So we are joined On the phone now By another priest Of the Diocese of Sioux Falls Monsignor Charles Mangan Good morning Monsignor Mangan
0: Hello to you, Chris and Emily.
1: It's great to have you with us, Monsignor. Monsignor, in case uh, we have any listeners this morning who've never, never heard of you, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, please?
0: Yes, I'm a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls, and my current assignment is uh, three parishes, Alexandria, Emory, and Bridgewater, uh, South Dakota, near Mitchell. And also, I'm the chaplain at the Monastery, Carmelite Monastery of our Mother of Mercy and St. Joseph. So you're busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess there is uh, quite a bit to be done, but it's, it's a blessing. It's a wonderful work.
2: Monsignor, we just had a conversation with Father Jeff Norfolk, and he said, you know, I don't like the word busy so much. I prefer to use full. And so as I'm listening to you, <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, Monsignor, your, your calendar
0: is just full. Your work it really, is full. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> There's, um, it's um, day to night, and, um, but so many blessings in between. Amen.
2: Oh, wonderful. Well, Monsignor, we want to talk with you about a wonderful, wonderful saint uh, and his story. Can you um, tell our listeners who we're going to be chatting about today?
0: Yes, Emily. We're going to be speaking about Saint Maximilian Mary Kolbe, who was a Franciscan, uh, conventual Franciscan priest from Poland, who was martyred during World War II, and he remains such an inspiration to so many people.
2: Okay, tell us a little bit more about his story. You said World War II.
0: Yes, yes. He was a young boy in Poland. His uh, baptism name was Raymond. And his parents, beautiful, devout Catholics. Uh, he was, from a very early age, he was attracted by the holy priesthood and by religious life. So he entered the Franciscans. Now, as many of our listeners will know, the Franciscans have many branches. And he entered the Conventual Franciscans uh, in Poland, did some studies in Rome, and was known to be an incredibly astute and intelligent young man. Uh, once years ago in Rome, I was able to see the habit which he wore, and it seemed as though he was perhaps a little sm- you know, smaller of stature physically, but it does not have anything to do with his sanctity and intelligence for sure. But anyhow, um, he was uh, known to be a very devout, religious, uh, observant, uh... filled with uh, chastity and charity and poverty and obedience and as the time went on his superiors noticed he had many gifts including theology writing organizing he became an editor uh, of a beautiful publication in honor of mary and was actually sent to japan for a while and he founded a city in japan it's called the city of mary Uh, It's called Nia Pokalanov, and so he spent time in Japan. Uh, Well, he came back from Japan, and uh, the Nazis were, of course, occupying Poland, and he was arrested. Uh, And uh, the story is, when the Nazis came for him, this great peace, this great tranquility in the presence of God, he just accepted everything. He was eventually martyred on the 14th of August, 1941. Uh, in the cell there at Auschwitz in Poland. And Emily, you and I and Father Norfolk were so privileged to uh, yes. a, be able to be there during the Holy Father's visit, Pope Francis, in 2016 for World yes. Youth Day. But but let's also remember here, Chris and Emily, that what led up to the martyrdom of St. Maximilian Mary Colby uh, was, yes, the hatred of the Nazis, but also the incredibly generous act uh, when a man uh, was uh, condemned to die because a prisoner had escaped the war camp. Uh, St. Maximilian came forward and said, I'm a Catholic priest, I will take the place of this man. The Nazis accepted that offering, and St. Maximilian died in his cell uh, after he had received a shot of carbolic acid uh, and died on the vigil of the Feast of Our Lady's Assumption in 1941.
1: Which is, so we celebrate his feast today on on the day that he died, then.
0: Yes, as a matter of fact, um, since he was canonized by St. John Paul II and beatified earlier, uh, his feast day is the 14th of August, which is the day he died, yes.
1: So, Monsignor, what when you um, when you look back on when you think about Saint Maximilian's story and Ma- Saint Maximilian Kolbe, what is it about his story that is particularly inspiring to you?
0: I would say uh, several things. Number one is his story does not begin with his martyrdom. Mm-hmm. That story goes much earlier. And as somebody who has been privileged to have studied Mariology, Saint Maximilian was considered. a very fine Mariologist whose contribution, one of many, would be uh, the idea that Mary is the spouse, the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. That's really, I think, his lasting legacy. But so, for me, uh, St. Maximilian is very inspiring because this was a whole sacrifice. It wasn't just the 14th of August, 1941. It was a lifetime of offering to God. And I, I really... I find that very edifying.
2: Mm -hmm. I'm curious, Monsignor. So there's, of course, just the various elements of his story that are going to be captivating for people. Um, But as you mentioned earlier, we had the opportunity to uh, visit his stomping grounds um, in Poland in 2016 for the World Youth Day um, pilgrimage. What would you say just experientially um, struck you from from that time? Um, Like I said, I think we can get captivated by various elements of the story, but to really encounter the place that he was, um, that he lived, uh, where he died, was a really powerful thing, I know, for many of us, including you. So what strikes strikes you there?
0: What I remember, Emily, is uh, you and I and Father Norfolk and the others were not allowed entrance into his cell because of all the hundreds of thousands of people around that week. So, We had to be content with being outside of his cell in the grounds there at Auschwitz. But I don't think that that was a disappointment at all. Um, That was just, for me, a, a very striking experience. What I remember about Auschwitz was this incredible quiet, even though we had thousands of young people walking, incredible quiet, incredible pallor of sadness and even hopelessness. Until I think we could plumb the depths and say, look, this is not hopeless. This is about a sacrifice of somebody to Christ who has accepted that sacrifice and instilled hope in each of us. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a, it was very sad, as I recall, and very heavy. Uh, but as we went on, I think, and reflected on it, we saw this is not the end. Uh, this is the, the death on Good Friday that leads to the resurrection. Mm.
1: my so i i um back in the mid 90s i had had the opportunity to go to auschwitz myself and see it. and it's something that this i don't know how i know you couldn't get in i don't know how much of you guys were able to see but um the they were crammed in there they couldn't sit i mean it was so tight that they were standing mm-hmm. so they died while they were standing um It's just, Monsignor, as you were talking there, it was just reminded of how somber uh, of a site, a location it is. And yet, uh, the opportunity for such holiness, not only um, on the part of Monsignor, (laughs) St. Maximilian Colby, but just in in, in general, uh, so many other instances of people witnessing to a powerful love for Christ. And to that, Monsignor, what do you, What do you think, especially with St. Maxim and Colby's story, um, what can we as 21st century um, South Dakotans, North Dakotans, Minnesotans, wherever we are, what can we learn from his story?
0: I think, Chris, what we learn is um, obedience to God, receptivity to grace, and a perseverance that does not end you know, that we are called to persevere. Now, it's not our perseverance. It's Christ's perseverance within us. But I think, um, you know, whatever crosses we carry and whatever joys we have, uh, to know that these are all meant for a purpose. They're to lead us to the resurrection. And uh, so things may seem very dank and dark, and yet uh, God is with us, and God is with his people, and he has pitched his tent among us. And he is always with us.
2: I love the just the the emphasis there of, of Christ's presence, and I think um, one of the things that strikes me about Maximilian's story is uh, it's actually in the place of suffering that God's glory is so beautifully made manifest, um, and and I think it might be an interesting. Uh, Or I would love to know just your your perspective on why why suffering in that way matters and even the small sufferings that we might choose on a daily basis in order to um, make God's love more manifest. What would you say there?
0: Well, I would say, Emily, this whole notion of suffering is such a difficult one for us to get our minds around. And I think a lot of it is bowing towards and to the mystery. You know, that part of this part of the suffering is we can't figure it out. I think and we who like two plus two equals four and like this um this reasoning which is so uh you know, deductive and so forth, um, it's tough for us. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing I would say about that is no need to compare my <clears throat> suffering with somebody else or his suffering or her suffering is mine it 's all meant to to lead to this great hymn of praise to God, and so your heaviness and my heaviness may not be exactly the same, but it 's heaviness nevertheless, and it is meant to glorify God and it is to help us get to heaven
1: well, so actually it 's interesting fascinating that you say that because with Father Jeff, we were talking about how um, uh we have this illusion of control because we want certainty we we want or Anxiety comes from um, our inability to control uh, our circumstances, and suffering is such a powerful way in which that's manifested. I, I, I think there's a very, really easy correlation there with what we're experiencing right now with the pandemic, which which still continues on, even, um, even though in some places maybe it's lightened up a little bit, other places it's more intense. And so for many of us, as, as school begins um, the next week, few weeks um, around our listening area, um, it's going to start off in a very different way. So there's the reality there that we can, right? We we can participate. Um, we can accept what God has given to us just as St. Maximilian
0: Kolbe did. We really can. And so much of this, Chris, is we really don't know um, what the future holds. You know, there are so many right. predictions about this, uh, so many dire predictions. And then on the other hand, things like, well, it'll be over soon. And, we just don't know. And I think, again, part of this is b- being able to say uh, a lot of this suffering is that we don't have control over it, and we don't even know uh, many of the details and intricacies of it.
2: Yeah. I, and I think that's a, a great source of anxiety for many people is just the unknown of that. Um, mm-hmm. Monsignor, maybe one last question uh, in our final moments here. Um you have such a great friendship with the saints. And I, I think for some of us that feels distant or that feels like, but I can't hear them talking to me or I can't see them. You know, it's not like my my best friend that we have coffee on a weekly basis. How do right. we foster friendship or how have you fostered friendship with Maximilian Colby? Um, yeah, and, and the other saints.
0: You know, Emily, I would say Pilgrimages are great, but for most folks, that's just not very possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, going to Poland is tremendous, but um, that's great if a person can do it. But that's not essential. The essential thing is, I think we get to know people and we get to know those in heaven, just as we do our friends here on earth. We get to know them. We get to hear them, you know, uh, disclose themselves. Now, perhaps that's so not so much in words as it is with people here on earth. But let's not forget the great treasury of uh, spiritual reading that the Church has for us. So with St. Maximilian, you know, the wonderful materials about him, uh, wonderful uh, films and presentations, I think that's helped me a lot. Um, and once we get to know something about his life, you know, we start to ask for his intercession. We start to ask for his help. And we start to think, oh, gee, how is my life like his? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for me Emily has been very powerful and as you say when that happens they don't seem so distant to us they're just our older brothers and sisters whom whom we don't uh, have met here on earth perhaps but in a sense we've met them
2: Monsignor do you have a film recommendation about Maximilian Colby
0: You know Emily there are some good ones I did like the presentation that Leonardo De Felipe's of St Luke's uh, productions from um, Washington State and Oregon, did a few years ago. That is on tape, and I believe that Ignatius Press may have that, or that could certainly be found with a, a search online. Uh, St. Maximilian Colby, um, and that would be uh, by St. Luke Productions. With I think it Nardo. might be on okay, Formed. So Oh, is that right?
2: I think it might be on forum, mm-hmm. on the forum to app as well. I oh, might be fantastic. wrong on that, so our listeners will let was, me know.
0: <laughs> I thought that was excellent. I thought that was a wonderful presentation.
1: Monsignor, to follow up on Emily's question real quick, just maybe the final question. So you talked already about what's most inspiring, but as you've gotten to know St. Maximilian Colby, what do you like most about him?
0: I would say his uh, celebration of the Mass, uh, his devout uh, celebration of the Mass, and his... Uh, attempt to plumb the depths of Mary and Marian theology. I would say those things, for me, are are very very beautiful and very intriguing.
1: Great. Thank you, Monsignor, for sharing with us about um, St. Maximilian Kolbe.
0: Chris and Emily, thanks a million.
1: We have
2: had an awesome morning so far. And up next, we get to see who gets the donuts this week. Ooh. I have to say, this has become one of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's who fantastic. We've had two priests on this morning, excellent <clears throat> priests um, that have really had a huge impact on on my own life. And so I love that we're just raising up priests from all over. Um, to To celebrate and to just honor in in many ways. So, um, up next, we'll get to see who gets the donuts. Stay tuned to find out. There's more real presents live to come. I'm Emily Liedem, and
1: I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald,
2: and we will be.